0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM channel 371. Packer and
1: Durham pre-power hour is upon us as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Number for the program is 844 say ACC and if you want to jump on board we'll certainly take some phone calls you know how it go on that thing and uh Wes we got a ton of guests coming up this hour
2: tell the truth uh Sophia LaRose here at uh 8 30 Wilburn at eight forty-five. right Kaysen makes his debut he's a swimmer for Notre Dame yep
1: all academic ACC dude yep. and uh, doing some great stuff from a unity perspective because that is a big week for us and for the league and of course uh Sophia has been on before. Uh, she was a delight to talk to a year ago. And, of course, we've got this big Duke, North Carolina, women's lacrosse thing coming up, which will be outstanding. Uh, but our first guest this hour is making his 14th appearance on the show. He's co-hosted as well. That would be David Hale, who you know and love and read at ESPN.com.
2: And has uh, co-authored a piece about the transfer portal and its impact on college football, especially as it relates to the spring and joins us this morning. David... Um, Look, there there're 3600 FBS players in the portal. That that's mind-blowing in itself. Uh how did this become such a volatile piece this time of year? And what did you guys find out that we didn't already know about this this particular part of it? First off, I'm
3: excited to be on for my 14th time. I did not realize I was such a Wiley veteran of Packer and Durham. This is. <laughs> I expect my smoking jacket with monogram and my membership card that gets me ten percent off at Bojangles in the mail any day now. Uh, no, look, we, we started hey, can I say working one on thing? this story. Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, Can I say one thing to answer that? Three words for you. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Look, Ooh. Roddy Jones promised me big things. That's all I'm telling okay. you. Oh, nah. Nah. there we go. Nah, yeah. any,
1: I have another thing to tell you Know, <laughs> Get in the back of, of the, the line. line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All
3: right. Yeah. All right. That on, that all on a serious out. note. On a serious note. Uh, <laughs> so we started working on this story, and the idea was sort of like, hey, hasn't spring typically been the sort of calm time of the year it's, yeah. it's you know if you're a new coaching staff it's installation phase if you're an established coaching staff it's getting your young guys some reps and sort of determining um you know who, who what your depth chart's going to look like and reinstalling some of the the fundamental stuff that you build upon uh into the fall And really, it's not that anymore. It has been uh, co-opted by the chaos of of all that happens in college football the same way as everything else has. And and so what you really have is, is sort of this is free agency period part two. So you get the first one that comes Uh, at the end of the regular season with this mass exodus of players uh, into the portal. And then what happens is typically at the end of spring, you expect this whole second exodus. So the second most, the the busiest month in the portal last year was was December, uh, which is not surprising. The second busiest month was May. And it's, that's the end of the spring practice, and, and people have players have decided this is where I'm at in the pecking order. I don't like where I'm at, um, I don't like the fit here, I don't like the new coaching staff, whatever it is, and they're hitting the road. And the crazy thing about that is, last May, we kind of knew the one-time transfer thing was coming, but it wasn't official yet. This year it's official, and I think you can probably expect another uh, serious exodus into the portal in the next you know, four to six weeks or so. And, and what that means is that this time of year that used to be for coaches about building a foundation now becomes a, a time in which roster chaos is is at the forefront of your mind, and it's a matter of you know which of my guys are going to leave. How are guys feeling? You're sort of recruiting your own roster. Then, of course, there's the flip side of it, of that you, you can get done spring and say, boy, I'm kind of thin at left tackle. And and you don't have to just deal with that now. You can go out and find that answer. So, um, you know, the world has changed markedly. And spring, which used to be uh, sort of the, the calm, uh, walk in the park type of e- portion of the year, it, it ain't that anymore.
0: Hmm.
1: David, you know, the other thing, too. I mean, knowing that 3,600, from a football perspective in the portal, Uh, Jeff Goodman reported yesterday there was over 1,400 in the men's basketball portal. I mean, so that's 5,000 student athletes in football and men's basketball that are looking for a home. So you do the math and you can understand there's not going to be a landing spot for everybody. The other thing, though, you keep talking about this, you know, transfer windows. I know Coach is talking about we got to figure out a way to transfer windows so we can have some kind of control and figure out what a roster looks like. You also go through a college football season now where some players in the middle of a season go, you know what? This is not working out for me, and I've got to make a move because early signing period, right? We get this whole thing that goes on for the high school kids in December. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're committed early. They're going on campus in January as early enrollees, and coaches need to know, hey, how? what are my numbers? I mean, it's one thing to talk about the spring. Man, the fall's not much better because you now start to see kids go, I'm out of here in the middle of a season. That doesn't do anybody any good either. Yeah. I mean, it is a mess everywhere you look.
3: It, it absolutely is. Um, and there's a lot to unpack with all of this. But but the first thing I'll say is uh, you look at it and anyone with a functioning brain can look at it and say this is chaos and it's a problem. Um, it ain't going to get fixed. And that's that's the bottom line. The NCA is, is toothless as a regulatory agency at this point uh, because of the Alston ruling last summer. They are terrified of being sued uh... for antitrust violations uh... The, the supreme court case uh... the Austin case when justice kavanaugh effectively said like i'm rolling out the red carpet if you're an antitrust litigator and you want to sue the ncaa by the time you get to us i can pretty much promise you you're going to win that case um, that's where the ncaa is right now so you look and you ask who who's going to fix this if it's not the ncaa and it's not the federal government which i highly doubt and i don't see the players just holding up their hands and volunteering and saying like yeah, let us uh, put in a transfer window. Like, it ain't happening. It's just not happening. Um, you know, one of the interesting things that, that I, I heard and and wrote a little bit about in this story came from Manny Diaz, the former Miami coach who's at Penn State now. And he said, look, if we can't regulate, we, what we can do is incentivize. And right now the incentives are structured to make it so players really do need to opt out midseason or the day the season ends because Uh, As you said, Pac, there's, on one hand, high school players are signing and coaches want some roster stability. And there's this sort of pressure of like, well, if I want this spot with this team that I want to transfer to, I need to get into the portal today. And then the other big thing is there is such a dependence on being a part of spring ball and going through those winter workouts, going through spring ball and getting sort of a leg up on playing time and to do that you've got to be enrolled by January so the guys are feeling a ton of pressure to get into the portal in October and November and start taking these official visits and stuff like this to to determine where they're going to be so they can be on campus somewhere else in January. Um, The incentives are all set up to opt out in the regular season and as as Manny Diaz said like we don't have a spring practice problem right now. we got a regular season problem that we're prioritizing spring over. And so we had a really interesting idea, which was, what if we just did away with spring ball and adopted more of an NFL mini-camp policy where you have a few different you know, four- to five- to six-day camps throughout the off season, so as guys come in from the portal or you know later recruit signees come in in June, come in in July, there's a chance to work hands-on with the coaches ahead of fall camp, and it sort of lowered the incentive to, to opt out in the season and adds an incentive to stick around, but really I think incentivization is really all we can do at this point because
2: regulation I just don't think is happening. All right, so we're going to get the American football coaches involved in this. We're obviously going to get, and you're saying NCAA, I totally agree on your packaging there, by the way. Uh, so now we've got to have heroes. We've got to have a North Star to use the new buzz marketing word. We've got to have somebody that is willing to take control of this. Um, if we can't get portal guidelines set up and we can't get NIL regulations set up or salary caps or whatever we want to call it, If we can't get any of that done in your mind, covering the sport the way you do, does this come down to the power five commissioners and somebody else, Jack Swarbrick, whatever, same committee that, that is the brain trust of the CFP. Are we back to this again, or do we have to have somebody from outside come in?
3: I I think there's, there's one of two ways that this ends. The less likely. Way is that there is somebody from outside the federal government. We've talked about this with NIL a ton. Uh, the, the NCAA has, has effectively said we need the feds to determine the rules on NCAA on NIL, uh, and I don't sense a lot of momentum on that happening. I think there are still some uh, folks in Congress who are talking about it, but it's not a priority. And particularly, look the way—not to get into politics, but the way election seasons work in this country. I mean, we're we're closing in on on where the races are beginning for 2024 already and i don't think that that nil is going to be a talking point there's going to be probably a waiting game until the next administration would be my guess before we have any real movement at the federal level on this stuff so then you ask well who could do it and again i, I don't think that the NCA can be that group so you asked, is there an alternative to the NCAA? And I think this is when you hear the comments from Dabo Swinney about blow it all up and super conferences. And Bill Connolly had a great uh, piece on Mm -hmm. on the idea of super conferences for us yesterday. I think that's where this is headed because it's the only way to sort of create uh, an established group of rules and regulations. And the only way you don't get sued for antitrust is not to be in violation of antitrust. And frankly, the only way to do that is to treat employee, players as employees, you unionize them, you collectively bargain, these are going to be the rules, and they agree to them and we agree to them. This has been anathema for the NCAA forever. And part of the reason we're in this place is because the NCAA not only didn't want to give even a little bit on this, they kept fighting every bit, tooth and nail, to the Supreme Court and then got walloped in the yeah. Austin decision. Um, I, I just I don't see any... Appetite at the NCAA level for this there are a ton of schools that couldn't afford to do it even if they wanted to and what you're left with is Maybe 40 maybe 60 schools that say all right. I'm willing to professionalize college football We're gonna figure out a game plan to make it happen And I don't know if that means five years from now ten years from now, but I, I think it's coming
1: I think you're a 1,000% right. When Dabo made that comment the other day, I thought he was reading off my script because we've been preaching that, and at least I have, for a <laughs> long, long time. I think we're heading to 50 to 60 teams, and that's what it's going to look yeah. like at the big boy level. Doesn't mean you can't have football and other sports at other schools that are smaller because you can still have that universe. But, you know, you, you can't. You can, this is not apples to apples in the comparison of what's going on At at the Bama's and Georgias and Clemson's and Ohio States of the world versus smaller schools, and you just got to get in the real world and kind of operate. But that also leads, David, to the ability to adapt. And you know, if you don't adapt, whether you're a coach, whether you're a school, whether you're an organization, you're out. I mean, this is a changing landscape, and you may not like the path that we're going down as far as college athletics, but you know what? We got a front row seat, and it's amazing how different of the world that we're living in right now than versus maybe just two years ago, isn't it? And who knows what this thing's going to look like four, five, ten years down the road. There's no telling.
3: Uh, it, it's fascinating because you look at just like the NIL collectives and say what you want about them, and, and I have my own opinions that I'll keep to myself, but um, the, it starts with like two or three schools that came up with this idea, and literally within months, half of the Power Five has got something going on along the, these lines in order to make NIL... I mean, it's, let's be blunt about what it is. It is a backdoor pay-for-play. And, and, and these things develop not over the course of years, but literally weeks. Um, it is a, a crazy thing to see. And, and I think you have schools that are saying, if there's no rules, then by God, we're going to take advantage of that uh, and, and help us. I think you have people like Dabo who look at it and say, this doesn't feel right to me. And I think I can still win by doing things the way I want to do them. And I'm going to do that. And then you got a whole bunch of schools that are going to be trapped in the middle ground of saying, like, I, I can't afford to play at the same level as Texas A&M or Alabama is. I also can't afford to assume I can recruit at Clemson's level without this, mm. so what do I do? And that's a really tough spot for them to be in, too. It, it, it's, I think this is really... Um, the more I talk to coaches and ADs, I think they all have their personal opinions about what they would like it to be, but the, when you boil it down to the bottom line what they want is just some set of rules to play by because right. right now it's like opening up a game of monopoly and saying, there's no rules. Just here's your, you're, you're the thimble, you're the race car go. And I don't, uh, I don't think anybody feels good about living in that world.
2: Yeah. David, this is uh, really insightful stuff. Everybody can go to ESPN.com. I know you collaborate on it. It's really informative, especially when it comes to was telling pack before the show roster structure and things like that. So hat tip on the good work, uh, We're getting around to talking season. We'll see you soon. (laughs) That's
3: what I do best, so uh, I'm all for it. Look forward to to my 15th appearance, which I don't know what level of – I think I get a free sandwich at Subway or something for that.
1: Uh, no, 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 no. you, no, you got to get in the
2: back of the line you're for that one it, too. Yeah, you're it. on
1: a roll with all 15, that
2: stuff. 15, <laughs> <by> <laughs> the, you got a lot of merch. You got a lot of merch in your, uh, in your uh, membership, but I, I don't see anybody laying out the membership yet, but we'll figure that out. We got time.
3: All right. You get see, to get on top of it.
2: All right. See you later. David Hale, ESPN.com. It's a terrific story. He also mentioned the Bill Conley piece should read that too it's it, I'm telling you there's a lot of stuff being done about name image and likeness transfer portal potential of where we're going and the reason you can write it and we'll talk about this on the other side Pac told you we're on the front row of the transformation of college athletics right now and we're there's watching lot, it and
1: there's a lot of folks that are uncomfortable with it and you know <laughs> I get it I mean, I think all of us are sitting there going, all right, we're going to get ready to open up this door and see what path we go down. But it is a fascinating time in college athletics. All
2: right, sit tight. When we come back, more to go, uh, including the bar bet of all bar bets is kind of out there. I didn't write that. Brooks wrote it, our producer. The bar bet of all bar bets. Oh, wait a second. What do we got here? We'll come back, talk about that in a moment. Packer
4: this is the Packer and Durham Podcast.
1: Sophia LaRose is coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. She yes, was sir. with us a year ago. Right, uh, Women's uh, player at Duke for lacrosse. They've got mm-hmm. that big showdown coming up with North Carolina. It's going to be great. And I uh, look forward to touching base with her. And then um, Kaysen Wilburn. Never had him on the show before. Notre right. Dame swimmer. Part of the Mm -hmm. ACC Unity
2: Week. Yeah. Doing some great stuff at Notre Dame. Young man from Chesapeake, Virginia. is involved two disciplines in swimming and doing terrific work. His mom was a very accomplished swimmer at Old Dominion. Yeah,
1: he's working on this thing called Pass It On, which we'll get into with him. Uh, And, again, the ACC student-athletes who keep telling you stars of the show. Yep. In addition to Chester and Fuller, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, the work that's been done in the community, uh, just awesome work. Great stuff.
2: Um, The David Hale thing. Uh, The article, very insightful. Well, we really are, though, just kind of careening to this endless road, aren't we?
1: Well, you hope it's not a dead end. Is That's the part that concerns me That's the scary part. part, Yeah. Right? I mean, mean,
2: look at the portal numbers, the NIL stuff. We've now got – I mean, look, take all the intended prejudices out of play here with, you know, whether you're pro-dabo, Condabo, pro Nick, con Nick, whatever. These are accomplished football coaches telling you of the problems. And Lane Kiffin, yeah, he's successful and understands it because he's a great recruiter, right? You gotta listen to what the people are saying here. They're not saying it for their own benefit. They're telling you what the landscape. Look, these guys are, they're gonna win under any set. They're telling you what the problems are. Exactly right. Um and The
1: thing that bothers me, because I love college sports, as you know. This is what we live for. Um, And I'm pro NIL. I'm pro student-athletes having as much power and control. But there still has to be some guidelines and restrictions and regulations. And right now, we have nothing. And so, therefore, it is a free-for-all. And I worry that this is going to get so far down the road that the attempt to put a stop to it or a screech to it or a halt to it in some shape or form still may not be bad. I mean, where can this thing go? I, I do think eventually, Wes, mm-hmm. we're going to have 40 or 50 or All 60 right. teams that play college sports as we grew up with it on the ultimate level. I, that's, that is that is what I'm afraid we're going to I get. think
2: you're right. And I think what's ultimately going to happen is it's going to be incumbent upon schools to make decisions Philosophically, they never thought they would have to make. I mean, I mean for
1: example, football is a very expensive sport. Right. right? There's a, most schools don't make money off football.
2: That is correct.
1: And if you get to the point where the uh, cost of doing business becomes so great, there could be some athletic directors and school presidents sitting around going, "We love it. We want to have a part of it be part of our curriculum of what makes a great afternoon on Saturdays in the fall." But we just can't afford to do
2: business. I, That's a problem. And look, there are going to be some decisions that are made at schools that you don't think are going to have to make decisions. Right. Because I promise you, there are institutions in this country at the Power 5 level that were uncomfortable with this process to start and have gotten more uncomfortable since. They're not telling you about it, but they're having the quiet conversations right now About the fact that, and we touched on this a month or so ago, very briefly, those institutions are having problems watching hundreds of thousands of dollars not go to their institution, but go to student athletes in some sort of collective, NIL, whatever the case may be. Well, imagine that now just spiraling down the road of more, because here's the problem. If you don't stop it and build guardrails, how do you stop it? And David Hale just mentioned two things. One, he mentioned the unionization of college athletics. And we beat that around for, what, a decade and change, right? The whole Northwestern Northwestern thing and all that stuff. If we get to that, the collective bargaining agreement for college athletes to play college football With health and all the other things that we're talking about these days, how in the world will we ever get our arms around that? And then how does that impact the standing agreements that are currently in place for things like conference networks, television rights fees, bowl agreements, CFP, all those other things?
1: I think it's incredibly ironic that in this day and age of free agency, which is almost what you have right now in college athletics with the transfer portal, there are more rules and regulations and restrictions. With the National Football League and the NBA, than there is in college. That's athletics. exactly right. And that is a scary thought. Yeah. Right. And they, they listen. They've got rules and regulations, and they've got thirty some odd teams to deal with. We've got three hundred and some odd. Right. And it's just a complete, total free for all. Right. And everybody's looking around, going, "Well, are you going to do something about it? Well, I can't. Are you? Gonna do- I mean, they also at- have a CBA in place, right? And a salary cap. Right? I mean, and, and we got nothing. We <laughs> oh got. We got nothing. We got uh, people looking around going, hey, wait a minute, man. I got 23 guys on my basketball roster. I'm going to have to cut this down to Or I got six. Or I got nothing.
2: Yeah. Like LSU did the other day. I got zero. I mean, it it is a mess. It really is. Halfway home on a Wednesday. uh, Sophia LaRose will join us next. Goaltender of Duke Women's Lacrosse, native of Southern California, been with the show before. Ahead of a big one tomorrow night. Right there, the old little battle on 15501 of the Blues, which is also here on ACC Network. Sophia's next.
0: Packer and Durham.
1: Wes, our next guest. Yes. uh, Triumphant return. Has a triumphant return. We had had fun with her a year ago. She's a little San Diego deal. We had some fun talking surfing and beach tacos and all that good stuff the last time she was on. But she's going to be busy tomorrow night because Duke and North Carolina play for the ACC
2: regular season time. I do. And uh, Sophia LaRose joins us this morning from Durham. Welcome back, Sophia. How are you?
0: I am good. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Absolutely. Good morning. morning. All right, so – you go from taking bullets defending Charlotte North and Boston College to bullets from Jamie Ortega, who, by the way, will be with us later in the show. So if you've got some sort of special thing you want us to share with Jamie, we will. Uh, <laughs> you got the hardest job in the ACC in the last week. That's the way I look at it, Right.
0: Yeah, we got two great matchups, um, but our team has been doing really good, just being focused on the next competition and you know scouting to really give us good looks to feel prepared going into tomorrow's game. So we're excited for it. It's going to be a great matchup. It's a night game, um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited.
1: Now you told us under the lights it's even better. So you like that prime time stuff, don't you? That must be that West Coast kicking in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think being under the lights or a little bit of rain always sets the mood and makes it a little bit more intense.
2: I like it. All right, so this season, uh, Dana Boyle was with us a couple weeks ago, and she even mentioned, hey, look, Duke is the one to keep an eye on. We've talked about Carolina. We've talked about Boston College. Syracuse has had some moments. You guys have won nine in a row now. What what has caused this – what's been the spark behind this momentum shift late in the year?
0: You know, I just think we have so much depth on the field and so much heart amongst our team. You know, Kat Bear and Katie DeSimone on the attacking end, they've been solid for us. You know, Maddie Jenner, who you just had on, she has been so solid on the draw along with a lot of our middies. So like Olivia Carter and Abby Landry, they're forces on the midfield line. And then on the defensive line, like everyone on defense are veterans, except we have one freshman, Riley Trainer, who's been a great addition to our defensive unit. So with all of our units, everyone's just been staying so focused and hungry to get that next win. Um, And our fire's still burning. So we're excited, you know, as we're going into each game.
1: Sophia, it's always cool to talk to student athletes on teams that have that chemistry, have that bond that seems like, hey, you know what, we got something special going on here. Did you get a sense with this team this particular year that there is something special about this Duke team?
0: Yeah, we are so close. We do so much off the field to really build that chemistry um, mm-hmm. on the field. And again, I just think we have like the next level commitment to this program and to win a national championship at the end of this and so much passion, which is all you need to, you know, win a national championship, which we hope to do.
1: Do you think that the COVID experience that everybody went through made the, like a trickle down effect that, hey, because you had to go through unbelievably unusual circumstances that now that we've come through this for the most part that you do have a kind of a special bond that you have gone through something up and above what a normal student would have gone through at any point in time prior to the pandemic does that make sense
0: yeah I totally agree I think it just felt like a lot of people had unfinished business to do so we do have a lot of I think we have six returners this year and we'll have at least six of us returning next year um, so a lot of people have felt like COVID stripped a year of eligibility. So I'm really happy that a lot of my teammates have decided to use that level or the next year of eligibility.
2: Hmm. Um, tell us about coach Kimmel because none of you know, this stuff doesn't happen unless you get great leadership. And obviously you, you got leaders on your roster, but it looks like she's done a terrific job in kind of bringing this full circle for you guys.
0: Yeah, Kirsten, I couldn't ask for a better coach. She's amazing. She really listens to us and really pushes us hard. She knows like what potential we have. And she reminds us like you haven't reached your potential yet. You guys are still going and you just have to continue to work hard and keep your eyes on the prize. Her big saying is, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint season, super long. So she really just puts things into perspective for us. But between her and Brooke Griffin, our attacking coach and Nick Williams, They are such a great trio um, of a coaching staff for our team and give us what we need. So they're an amazing coaching staff to work for.
1: By the way, uh, I mean, we get into the whole Duke, North Carolina thing, football game, basketball, obviously. Uh, We got that same little edginess when it comes to women's
0: lacrosse. Did you say edginess? Sorry. Yeah, like, yeah, I
1: mean, do we have that? Hey, it's Duke, it's Carolina. It doesn't matter what we're playing. It happens to be, by the way, for an ACC championship in the regular <laughs> season. I, I'm sensing whether it will be Boston College or whomever you were playing to be a big deal. But the fact that it's Duke and North Carolina has got a little extra umph for tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, I, you know, the rivalry. It's such a big college rivalry in general. Um, but this is just another game for us. You know, we treat it like another game. But there is definitely that rival piece of Duke and UNC. All
2: right, but come on now, right? I mean, do you guys – is there practice sessions together? How many of you all – the basketball guys back in the 70s and 80s, they wouldn't even think of playing pickup ball. Now they play pickup ball together all the time. Do you guys ever cross-pollinate parties, social, nothing, huh? Oh, look at that. I'm getting to nothing right now. No, no you know, we
0: don't practice with them. Um, you know, we're friends with some of the girls on the team. But other than okay. that, you know, we we keep a professional in season.
1: All right. Uh, all right, let me ask you this. You're a goalie. Charlotte North, crazy talented, right? You did a great job. Two goals against BC. Holy cow. Uh, you get Ortega. We'll have Jamie coming up here next hour. She's an incredible offensive threat. Uh, compare the two from your perspective. Uh, how they're different. Maybe how they're similar Uh, Not that you're giving out any secrets, obviously, but, I mean, you have a chance to see two of the great offensive goal scorers when you see these two. So, you tell me.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I feel honored to go up against, like, two of the most, like, versatile attackers in the game. Um, They're both very talented. They both play very differently, though. Um, I think Charlotte she definitely has a very unique shot sometimes it's harder to see the ball leave her stick and she's you know very shifty with her stick whereas I believe Jamie she you know she's very speedy and she's quick and she is a lefty so it is going to be a different shot than Charlotte who is a righty um, but you know again it was super fun playing against Charlotte and I'm excited to play against Jamie tomorrow night
2: you like – I mean, this is the battleground for you, right? I mean, when you get two of the more dominant scores in women's lacrosse, this is the – this is why you're on this stage, right?
0: Yeah, it's fun. It, it, it's really intense. But, in, you know, there is like a mental piece to it and the preparation to go into it because you're the backbone of the defense. But it's it's super fun. <laughs> you
1: know, your attitude is awesome. Um, in fact, I told Wes before we brought you on, I said, you know, I, I remember – Sophia, from a year ago, because we had a lot of fun talking to you about surfing and all that stuff out there in San Diego. But I think your approach is kind of healthy. I mean, you know, yeah, it's intense. Uh, It's important. School is obviously the most important thing. That's why you're going to get a great education you do at Duke University. But, you know, tomorrow night is supposed to be fun. I mean, yeah, you want to win. There's no doubt about that. But I I just think your attitude is spot on. And, again, I don't know if that's a West Coast thing out of you again, but uh, I just find it really healthy. I mean, it's not necessarily a pressure thing. It's the, the pressure to say, let's go out and do what we love to do.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. My uh, defensive coach always reminds me, he's like, bring out that San Diego vibe. Just chill. He's like, just be chill. Just have fun. Don't overthink it too much. Just make a save. You'll be fine. Just chill. I, so I've been, I, I've been using that the second half of the season.
2: That's not hard for you though, right? I mean, cause you play the, I mean, you brought Southern California, you brought the San Diego thing to Duke with you. I mean, this, this can't be that difficult for you to go that gear, right?
0: No, it's not. But, you know, when you're playing against, like, the number one team in the country, any game, you know, I, I get excited and um, nerves are up. Just so, you know, having the chill mentality, hope you know, works, but it's easier said than done.
1: Hey, by the way, totally separate note. Uh, you spend any time on the Atlantic Ocean and any East Coast beaches? Have you ever done that since you've been over here on this part of the country?
0: Yes. Um, I've been to Wrightsville Beach a couple of times. My coach has a house there. So all I've right. been out there a couple of times.
1: All right. So all right, go ahead. And give me the comparison. Pacific oh, Coast.
2: surfing,
0: this- Surfing's way better on the West Coast.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. Yeah, but, but right, Wrightsville Beach is not exactly the pipeline there, Brian. No, no,
1: no, no. No, <laughs> no but, but it is totally different, though, isn't it? I mean, you're a beach person. It's totally different.
0: Yeah, it's different. But I really like the beaches here. They're very nice. The Uh-oh. sand's nice. I uh, uh,
2: uh, got a you know, nice. We got a nice out of it. Right?
1: Sophia, listen. You, you didn't elaborate on that very much. That, that was almost like I'm going to be as kind as I possibly can because, you know what? <laughs> the beaches aren't even close to the West Coast, are they? They're not even close. Not even close.
0: I'm just, I've lived on the West Coast for 20 years. I grew up on those beaches. (laughs) I'm committed to that.
2: Hey, Sophia, I I wanted to ask you this question. Mark and I, we just had uh, a long conversation about Transfer Portal. We've had a lot of conversations about name, image, and likeness. Um, You're somebody that understands kind of coast-to-coast mentality here, and I'm going to take advantage of the fact you grew up in California and you play a sport that is dominant to this side of the country, right? I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. We know it's emerging on the West Coast, but it's not as popular on the West Coast as it is, say, in the Northeast and this part of the country. Texas, obviously, it's, it's gaining great momentum. So the, the, the successful student athlete that plays lacrosse, the successful female student athlete that plays your sport, when you hear all the conversation about name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, but NIL in particular, what's the first thing pops in your mind? What, what do you think about that? I mean, your particular role.
0: So for name and image and likeness, what I'm thinking is more like brand deals and um, the new oppor- paid opportunities that athletes can take advantage of. Um, and I think if athletes use the resources that colleges like Duke are providing them to educate them on NIL then they can fully maximize, like, their potential in that space and make a ton of money, potentially. Um, You know, I've had some brand deals here and there, but I have some friends that have some big ones that, you know, are long-term contracts. Um, In terms of the transfer portal, I believe that's a little bit different in terms of people transferring. But I think the NIL is a great new opportunity for athletes to take advantage of and to just build their brand and to put their name out there even more.
1: By the way, in a perfect world, if I could give you a magic wand and you could have any deal you want, forget the money a second, any brand, any company, who would you like to work with? Who would you like to be tied into?
0: Lululemon, like unlimited amount of Lululemon gear would be amazing. Lululemon. I don't know why. My first thought went to be like, okay, I can have unlimited subway. That would be great. But I know my parents would be really upset if that's what I picked. Um, so I think Lululemon would be. Lululemon.
2: Really cool. I, I like your style. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. They don't have any surfing gear though. I eh. thought I thought you might hit me with the Billabong or something like that. I, I wouldn't. I didn't. No. I didn't, no. Okay. All right. I think
0: I would go more the snowboarding route before surfing, oh. actually. Yeah. Can, I just,
1: can I just say something? And, and I, I don't want you to take this right or wrong. I just want, I think you're one of the coolest student-athletes we've had on the show. I really do. And I said that, <laughs> Thank I said you. that I'm honored. I, I said that a year ago when we had you on because I thought you were funny, and I liked your attitude yep. and your carefreeness, and I know you're really bright and intelligent because obviously you're at Duke University getting the job done, and you're obviously very talented. But I think you're one of the coolest student-athletes we've had on the there show. There you go. Just want to give you that heads up.
0: Thank you so much. I All appreciate right. it. You got it. You guys have been so fun to like talk to and hang out with. So oh, and you, you know what? Well. You
2: you upsold us to Maddie the other day. You told Maddie we were good people, so that helped. <laughs>
0: yeah. I have her right. back.
2: Yeah. Good luck tomorrow. Good night. luck tomorrow night.
0: Thank you guys. Have a good All one. Right.
2: You, you too. bet. Sophia LaRose, goaltender. She's too. cool man. Yep. Really good. Fun to talk to. How great is it her, her
1: attitude, I think, is so refreshing. In this day and age where there is a lot of pressure on student-athletes to perform. Sure. And let's, let's not fool ourselves with this. I right. Mean, you know, you got a scholarship and the
2: object, obviously, to get a degree. But I think her attitude is so mm-hmm. great. It's refreshing. I'm with you on that. When we come back, uh, another impressive student-athlete will join us. We'll go to South Bend, Indiana. Kaysen in Wilburn uh, swims at Notre Dame. Pass it on. Yep. We're going to talk about that as part of ACC Unity Week and more Packer and Durham continues on the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. We've touched on Unity Week here uh, Monday and Tuesday. We'll do it the rest of the week as well on the show. Uh, And I tell you what, we have given you impressive student-athletes. Isaiah Holmes, Miami, Gabby Leon yesterday from Louisville. And this young man falls right in line. Please welcome Cason Wilburn, who uh, swims at the Notre Dame. He is from mighty Chesapeake, Virginia, down in the 757. So here we go. We got more 757s coming at you. Cason, uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you?
4: Good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on this morning.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you and uh, other members of your team uh, provided free swimming lessons uh, to, to youngsters in South Bend as part of Pass It On, and Packer and I were talking about it. Take us through kind of how that, uh, that program started and, uh, and why it's so meaningful to you.
4: Yes. Yeah, so uh, I actually started the program. So when I was back in high school, uh, I did some work with the Boys and Girls Club where I set up swim lessons for them. Uh, back in 757 in Hampton Roads and so when I came to Notre Dame, I knew this that, that was something that I wanted to just carry on uh, To this school and sadly the first two years because of COVID it was it was really hard to get something going but This year uh, the gold center here at Notre Dame really uh, Just backed me in trying to get these some swim- make these swim lessons happen and my whole team was very supportive And it's just, it's something that I'm super passionate about because I feel like everybody should know how to swim. It's a very important life skill and frankly you never know when you might end up in the water. And so I just felt the need to share what I know with the kids of South Bend and like I said, the Gold Center and a lot of my teammates were willing to help me out all the way along the way.
1: Case, and, uh I almost drowned last year at the Turks and Caicos. And again, swimming in the ocean is very different than swimming uh, in a swimming pool. But I want to go back to that a second. You know, it's one thing to, to do volunteer work. It's another thing to do volunteer work where you really have to pay attention. Not everybody is comfortable in the water. And I'm sure that you've already experienced uh, for folks that go, man, I, I don't want to get in the water. Uh, so with that said, how do you break ice, if you will, uh, just to get people comfortable in that zone and in that environment
4: yes so I mean a lot of people who have never been in the water before obviously are very hesitant to get in uh, like you mentioned and so uh, what we did at the lessons is we would spend like the first 15 minutes just getting to know the kids Uh, whoever was going to work with them that day we um, we would just talk to them get to know them uh, what other sports they play Uh, If they were happy to be there and just simple questions like that, and then we'd also teach them about just leadership skills that uh, We've been taught here in Notre Dame and through like the Rosenthal program here, so We basically just spent the first 15 minutes getting to know them so that when we did go and get in the water uh, Whoever was helping them like one of the swimmers would get in first and we would just be super supportive And if they didn't want to get in at the time we wouldn't make them Uh, but luckily we didn't have any really big issues a lot of the kids got in within the first five to ten minutes and obviously when they hit the water a lot of them were very scared and hesitant but they realized that we weren't going to let anything happen to them and because of this they uh they got really comfortable really quick which is what we wanted to see
2: i tell you what it's amazing uh young people especially uh your mom was a an accomplished swimmer i, I know that uh, at old dominion What? What kind, do you remember the first time you got in the water? Do you remember those emotions? i got to believe you also parlay some of that, don't you?
4: Yes. Um, honestly, I don't remember the first time I got in the water <laughs> because uh, I was still a baby. I was no more than six months old, and my mom just wanted me to have the ability to float and be comfortable in the water at a young age. And I mean, I would say it worked. I'm getting to swim at a great university now, and I love the water, so – I'm just very thankful that she did that for me at such a young age. But swimming isn't something that you have to learn at a young age. Like you could really learn at any time, whether it's six months old or in your 90s. Like it's never a bad time to learn how to swim.
1: Well, we got video of your mom just throwing you into the deep end of the pool here. If you like to see no, <laughs> no, no. I'm <laughs> it, I'm just messing with it. Uh, by the way, congratulations on your academics too. Uh, we've always been impressed with the student athletes in this league uh, for what they do. But you go to Notre Dame, you can't cut any corners academically uh, to make all ACC academic team and be one of six members of the swim team that are part of it. Uh, you're getting a job done in the classroom. I know you take a great deal of pride in that as well.
4: Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in college if I wasn't here for the academics. And I'm just happy that I'm able to keep up with the work and I have a good support system around me to help me just stay on top of my academics as well as the athletics
2: case the other thing that comes to mind with your story is you're you're a bit of a groundbreaker i mean you were the only black swimmer on your high school team i think you were the only one on a high school national team uh what is the, that experience you've shared that with others in the past what now is it's become i guess you know more of a you're a more known commodity or more known person in this sport What's that experience been like? What What do you share with others about the experience of kind of being groundbreaking in that light?
4: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I honestly wasn't really uh, super aware of the fact that I was the only one of color on my team. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I got older, I began to realize, like, wow, I re- I really am the only one. And a lot of, like, my friends were just kind of not used to it. And so – it was just something I wanted to see change. I wanted to be able to see more uh, diversity in the sport of swimming because I think only, like, 3 to 5% of swimmers in USA Swimming are African-American. And so that was one of the reasons I set out to do this program was just, you know, maybe some kids will really enjoy the water and end up competitively swimming, and mm. that will help uh, bridge the gap in diversity in swimming, which is ultimately the goal. By the way... Uh
1: Swim much in the ocean? Just ask.
4: <laughs> yes. Um, growing, up, yeah, growing up in Virginia Beach, Chesapeake area, I, uh, I, I was a beach lifeguard for three years, I think. So okay. I swam in the ocean a lot. I'm honestly not a huge fan of the beach, but uh, I do really <laughs> I enjoy swimming in the ocean. It's definitely a, right. it's a bigger challenge. Oh, it's a definite, hey, it's a
1: definite challenge. Kaysen. there's no doubt about that.
2: here on here here, Packer has a longstanding rule for his life that he probably needs to <laughs> share that? with you. here
1: Here's the rule, uh, and you'll appreciate this. Uh, the very second your big toe hits the water at the ocean, you're the visiting team. You're the visiting team. <laughs> which means uh, it doesn't matter if you're on shore and you think that seashell down there is real cute. The second you go and reach for it, if something grabs you and (laughs) takes you to the depths, you can't complain about it because you are the visiting team. That's why the swimming pool, I can deal with the swimming pool, the ocean. That's a whole different animal, man. That's a different beast. Totally different beast.
4: Yes. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, water isn't really our element. So, and there's a lot of much stronger swimmers in the ocean, whether that just be other fish or really anything. So, I would definitely agree. The ocean is we are the visitors.
1: Well, see, Wes makes fun of me, but there—that is an all-academic ACC guy telling you, Wes, Dude, that what guy, I've been saying for the last 20-some odd years, that second the big toe hits the water, you're the visiting team. Kason is going 100% accurate. Yeah, 100% accurate.
2: Well, here's the other thing too. Kason's actually done things swimming. Like, and so he is actually, I, he's the one I'm going to believe on this oh, now.
1: There you go. Don't okay. take my
2: word for it. Take this guy. That's what Kaysen, I'm doing. This guy's an yeah. expert. Kason Lifeguard. Wolverton totally gets, the, yeah, lifeguard at the beach. Pass it on. Yeah, he's found, he's pulled people like you from the water.
1: Uh, wait, let me tell you something. <laughs> Kaysen, last summer when I did the stupidest thing in the world and jumped in the water uh, out at Turks and Caicos and the waves are coming up over me and I remember looking down, which was the worst thing I could have ever done goggles the whole thing and I realized oh my god there's about 70 feet underneath me and there is stuff moving yeah I just felt like you know at any point in time something was going to bite me and just take me down and I wanted no more of it just get me out of here yeah disaster (laughs) disaster yeah
4: yes yes I mean a lot of people have that feeling um I don't know I feel like most of the time as long as you don't mess with the stuff in the ocean it's not going to mess with you but at the same time Between the currents and the waves and all the different faculties of just like the water itself, it can be very dangerous. Casey, let me ask you something.
1: (laughs) Before the question. Before the end
2: question, we're gonna ask
1: you something else. One more question. Yeah. In your life, in your life, how many times have you read about, heard about, seen, or listened? Somebody that had a shark bite. Oh, come on. Sitting in their come condo. On.
2: He's from Virginia.
1: Sitting in their condo. In their
2: condo. The nobody. answer is
1: yeah. never. You know why? Because <laughs> they can't bite you in the condo. <laughs> they can get you when you go out into their house. Oh, All man. right, I got to ask you one more yes, serious yes. question. Serious question. This is the artist one. Since you've been at Notre Dame, this mm. is a traditional question. What has been your hardest class?
4: Um. I think my hardest class was honestly freshman year, second semester. I took uh, biochem and I'm, so I'm majoring in environmental engineering. And we had to take biochem at the time. And I'm in engineering more for the math than the science, like the chemistry part and chemistry is just not my strong suit. And that class just was very challenging.
1: Gotcha. Well, you're doing great work, man. Seriously. Congratulations right. on everything you're doing away from Notre Dame. Uh, helping communities and everything else, which is awesome. We love your volunteer work. But, I mean, you're getting the job done in the classroom and in the pool. And uh, you're a great representation of what Notre Dame is about and what student-athletes are about in this league. And we wish you the very best.
4: Yes, no, thank you so much. And thank you for having me on.
2: Absolutely. Kaysen Wilburn of Notre Dame. Be well, my man. Have a good week. Impressive. Yep, absolutely. Uh, It's been fun to check in with these student-athletes that are involved in the ACC. We'll continue that tomorrow and Friday as part of Unity Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference. When we come back, power hour. Mike Rooney's here to talk baseball. We have hit on that at the top of the show today about the battles that are going on. Jamie Ortega. We had Sophia LaRose who will try to stop Jamie Ortega, and Jamie Ortega will be trying to score on Sophia LaRose tomorrow night in women's lacrosse. That and more after this.
0: Tune in to Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.